0: Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this episode, number 101, about the book The Practice, a brand new book by Seth Godin. Keep listening to find out why writer's block doesn't exist. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back. We're into the second century of Steph's Business Bookshelf coming up to the end of 2020 as well what a strange year and a few changes and things happening on the podcast over the next few months I'll be keeping you up to date with those as the probably over the next month or so there's a few things start to fall into place and over the summer holiday here in the summer southern hemisphere winter or Christmas holiday up in the northern hemisphere there'll be a few different episodes or different types of episodes happening so just keep your ears and eyes peeled make sure you've hit subscribe or follow or whichever podcast provider you're using to make sure you don't miss out any on any of those but this week talking about the book The Practice by Seth Godin it's a brand new book it only came out a couple of weeks ago in early November I have been really looking forward to this book. I'm a big fan of Seth's work. I've done one of his workshops, actually earlier this year, the Story Skills Workshop, and have read a few of his other books as well. I'm a big fan of his blog or his his newsletter, which comes out every single day. And I always look forward to reading that one. It's probably one of the few that I read on a regular basis. On that note, a couple of weeks ago, in the Bookmark newsletter, I shared a few of the newsletters that I do enjoy reading and getting on a regular basis. If you missed that edition, I'll put a little link to it in the show notes, and there is a link in the show notes to subscribe to the Bookmark newsletter, which comes out fortnightly and contains bookish thoughts and also podcast recommendations, things to listen to, things to read, articles, etc. So if you're into that kind of thing, I recommend you sign up. Anyway, back to the practice. So as I said I was really looking forward to this book coming out and I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it but there was a few things that I really liked about it and a few things that I didn't so much so I'll talk about those as we go through the book we'll go through the episode about the book and share some of that with you if you are also a fan of Seth or you're not sure about getting this book or you've heard of it and you are making a buying decision on this hopefully this will be useful in that sense. All right, let's get into a little bit about the book and about the author if you haven't heard of Seth Godin. So a bit about the book, creative work doesn't come with a guarantee, but there is a pattern to who succeeds and who doesn't, and engaging in the consistent practice of its pursuit is the best way forward. Based on the breakthrough akimbo workshop pioneered by legendary author Seth Godin, the practice will help you get unstuck and find the courage to make and share creative work. Godin insists that writer's block is a myth, that consistency is far more important than authenticity, and that experiencing the imposter syndrome is a sign that you're a well-adjusted human. Most of all, he shows you what it takes to turn your passion from a private distraction to a productive contribution, the one that you've been seeking to share all along. With this book as your guide, you'll learn to dance with your fear, to take risks worth taking and to embrace the empathy required to make work that contributes with authenticity and joy. And that's taken from the book Blurb on Amazon. And Seth Godin, if you somehow haven't heard of him, he is the author of 19 international bestsellers that have been translated into over 35 languages and have changed the way people think about marketing and work. For a long time, Unleashing the Idea Virus was the most popular ebook ever published, and Purple Cow is the best-selling marketing book of the decade. He is a recent inductee into the Marketing Hall of Fame and also a member of the Direct Marketing Hall of Fame and the Guerrilla Marketing Hall of Fame. In addition to his writing and speaking, Seth was the founder and CEO of Squidoo.com. His blog, which you can just find by typing Seth into Google, is the most popular marketing blog in the world. And before his work as a writer and a blogger, Godin was vice president of direct marketing at Yahoo, a job he got after selling them his pioneering 1990s online startup Yo-Yo Dine. Seth is a fascinating character. And if you haven't had a chance to catch an interview with him on a podcast, I will put a couple of links to those in the show notes. I really recommend listening to. He's he's definitely worth thinking he gives you things to think about, which I like about uh, hearing him being interviewed. Now, before we get into the book and the three big ideas, one important point is if you've already thought, oh, this is for creatives, creating creative work, that's not for me. You are wrong, my friend, I'm afraid. So first of all, it's important to clarify, and I've said this before on, on relation to other books, by creativity, by creative work, Seth Godin is talking about anything where you have to make decisions, you're making things better, you're impacting other people, you're being anything but a cog in a machine. So if you have a job where you have to solve problems or make decisions or improve things for your team, your customers, your the society, whatever it is, you are a creative practitioner. So it's important to bear that in mind, first of all, because All of this is relevant to pretty much any job other than one where you're maybe turning up, switching off your brain, and then going home at the end of the day. So if you have that kind of job, maybe this book may be less relevant to you. But if you have a job where you use your brain, then you are a creative practitioner. You don't have to be an artist or a singer or a songwriter or some kind of musician or or author to have a creative practice. So get that out of your head, first of all. All right. That said, lecture, tiny lecture over, let's get into the three big ideas from the book The Practice by Seth Godin. Big idea number one, build a practice and practice it every day as a professional, even when you don't know what the result will be and especially when you don't know what the result will be. Success or good results aren't guaranteed, but that does not mean that we shouldn't turn up and do the work on a daily basis because the real work is in showing up regardless. And throughout the book, Seth talks about this in the context of this being the work of a professional rather than the work of of an engaged amateur. Because by taking it seriously, by practicing it every day, by taking a professional approach to your work, whatever that work may be, that is what makes the difference. This also comes to the point around writer's block and Seth's been quite vocal about the fact that he doesn't believe writer's block exists. He thinks that inspiration doesn't show up unless we do. So unless we are turning up, professionally, taking things seriously on a daily basis, then there's no wonder that you might feel stuck. Whereas if you're turning up every day, the inspiration will will come along with that. He also says that we need to start with an assertion, a question or a position or a problem that we're going to solve or explore, and then find out what the, the next step is or what the answer is or what a position on that assertion may be. The results, again, won't be guaranteed. Success might not be guaranteed. But without making an assertion and having a point of view, then we won't do anything. Another important point, and he talks about this a lot, is shipping creative work on a schedule. And he is the master of doing this. His blog is a perfect example. Every single day he sits down, he writes, and every single day a blog post comes out. So by shipping creative work on a schedule, things like writer's block don't have time to exist because we are showing up and he says if we're using outcomes out of our control as a measure a measure of success then we're destined to burn out so we need to create our own level or measure of success which is turning up every day and shipping creative work on that schedule which essentially is building a practice and a practice of creativity a practice of work so that's big idea number one build a practice Big idea number two, which comes up a lot throughout the book, is don't be a hack. It's not just about empathy and knowing the backstory of every customer and doing your your avatars, etc. And Seth's other books are very much about that. It's about deeply knowing your customer, knowing their fears, knowing what success looks like for them, knowing what winning is for them and, and really getting under their skin. This is slightly different in some ways because it's knowing what change you are seeking to make and who for. So it's actually slightly less in the details of, the exact person you're talking to. But what you do need to know is what group of people you are seeking to make work for. Because if you aim for the masses, you lose authenticity. You lose your point of view, you lose having an opinion and you lose being interesting. You are a hack. As soon as you go for the masses, as soon as you start to diminish your work to that that lowest common denominator, you become a hack. However, if you go too far the other way, it's, it's basically a hobby and it lacks any empathy for anyone because it's, you're just really doing it for yourself. Of course, there is a time and a place for that, but it's not going to be the, the creative work that is generous. You lose that generosity, which i will talk about in a moment. You need to know what market you're in. So you need to have a voice and you shouldn't then worry about the rest because they're not for you. And if we're stopping doing things and using the excuse of, oh, this person won't like it, or this group won't like it, when they're not actually your audience, you're you're using that as an excuse to stop doing the work or to stop creating that practice and, and hiding. So we need to constantly ask, who's it for? That will help shape the work and help it be more, more appropriate for your audience, but it'll also help you carry on making for your audience. You need to know who it is you're talking to, to make that work better, but also to continue to make the work and not worrying about the rest. So that's big idea number two, don't be a hack. Know who you're talking to and don't worry about the rest. Big idea number three is be generous. Share your work. Say, here, I made this. And worry less about what other people think. And and this is slightly different to the, the point in the in the previous big idea, because this is more about imposter syndrome and things. So don't be worrying about whether you should be able to put out work, whether you're allowed to be able to put out work. There's two really nice stories or examples in the book. One about a lifeguard. When a lifeguard is about to dive into the pool or into the ocean and save someone, she's not thinking, oh, but I'm not the best lifeguard. And what if I'm not as strong a swimmer as the other lifeguards? Or what if blah, blah, blah. She just goes in and saves someone's life. That's what she does without worrying about it imposter syndrome or anything. It, and when you put it into that context, it just seems crazy that we would, or any of us in any field or any job, would be thinking about what others, you know, our relative status compared to others and things, because it, it doesn't really matter. If you're doing what you're doing and doing it to the best level of your ability with a strong practice and with generosity to turn up, to ch- help change something for someone else, that's what matters. The other example in the book, which I liked on this, is one of a locksmith. When a locksmith comes to your house because you've locked yourself out or whatever, they go through a system of trying each type of key, one after the other, one after the other, one after the other, until they find the one that works. And with every key that they try that doesn't work, they're not blaming themselves or thinking they're not good enough. And how many times have you created work and maybe got some feedback, which maybe it didn't work for someone or it wasn't quite right, and you've taken it as a personal slight on yourself because that work becomes a part of you. Whereas the locksmith, they're not judging themselves every time they use a key and it doesn't work. They're just going through the system of finding the thing that does work. And I just love that example. And particularly so many of us allow our work and our output to define us. And therefore any particular constructive comment or criticism of that work then becomes a criticism of us personally. So we need to be a bit more locksmith and be a bit more like the lifeguard because they're not worrying about what everyone else is saying or everyone else is doing or whether it's a, a, a slight on them. They're going through the motions and they're doing the work they need to do in a generous way that gets the outcome for the client or the other person involved in the transaction or in the life saving, for example, for the lifeguard and, doing what they, and showing up and doing that. So it's about not hiding yourself and not hiding your work because that is not generous. By hiding yourself or hiding your work, you're missing the opportunity to be generous. We therefore need to embrace discomfort so others don't have to. Sometimes we need to show up and do that difficult work or put ourselves forward and put ourselves out there so that others can benefit from it and so that maybe they don't have to go and do that, go through that particular process themselves. Ultimately, we need to create and create from a place of generosity and create from a way that that moves things forward for someone. We need to say, "Here, I made this a little bit more often." That's big idea number three: be generous. So there we go three big ideas from the practice by Seth Godin. Number one: build a practice. Big idea number two: don't be a hack. And big idea number three: be generous. Now, I really enjoyed the ideas in the book. I think there's some really solid things in there. I highlighted this book on my Kindle probably more than I've done with most other books, I'd say, when I went back through. I thought, oh, goodness, there's a lot of, a lot of bookmarks and highlights in here. And it's because there are so many little quotables, nuggets of wisdom, and Seth writes in a way that there's not much fluff. Like You you know what you're getting, you know what you're reading, and it, and it tells you what it needs to tell you without too much nonsense around it. The format of the book is it's split into a few different themes or sections, I wouldn't say chapters necessarily but kind of themes, and then within those or through throughout the whole book there's 219 little entries I think is probably the best way of describing it. Again, not really chapters, more little, little blog posts really, it's written in a very similar format to Seth's other writing and his blog in particular. This is the bit that I, whilst I liked in some ways, I didn't like in other ways, and particularly if you're going to sit and read it as prose, in in kind of one, you know, you're sitting down for an hour with a book and you want to read it. It feels quite repetitive when you read it in that way because some of the messages flow on from each other, there's then quite a lot of overlap between them, and the good thing about that is that you go away with a very clear idea of what this book is about and you remember the key ideas pretty, pretty clearly because they keep repeating but on the downside it's, it's not that enjoyable to sit and read. Now I don't know if that is actually the idea of the book so maybe I'm being slightly unfair or actually reading it kind of in a, in a way that it's not intended to be read. That said what I would say is that it would be a great book to have on your bedside table and when you wake up in the morning read one of those 219 sections or maybe one or two of them, get a bigger Get a bit of a kick in the bum around how you're gonna create that day and you know some of Seth's wise words on creation or, or being generous or not being a hack and losing your authenticity and your point of view and take that into your day with you. And then the next day, do the same, get that little injection of wisdom and then go and create. So it really depends what you obviously want from the book and how you would like to read it. So I, w- I I don't not recommend the book, but I think if you get it, you will take a huge amount of value away from it, but read it in a way that it's maybe designed to be read. But I would say read it in that, in that kind of slightly more broken down way, little little and often kind of reading, rather than sitting down and trying to absorb it all in one go. Because I certainly found by reading it that way it did it it did get a little bit repetitive and it wasn't as enjoyable i don't think as a read but i will be coming back to it and picking it up and looking back at my highlights and my notes more than maybe other books that i have read recently as well so we go some thoughts but also the three big ideas from the practice by seth godin you have read this book already I'd love to know what you thought or what you think if you're reading it in a slightly chunkier and slowed down version as I mentioned contact details as usual are in the show notes you can find me on Instagram or LinkedIn most often I'd love to hear from you and talk books but otherwise until next time happy reading